Hello and welcome to the Formidable Over 40 podcast. I'm Sarah Pittendrig, a mum, award-winning entrepreneur, cancer survivor and mentor and coach. In series two of the podcast, we're sharing new stories along with the ethos that you are never too old and it's never too late to design a life you love. On this episode, I am thrilled to be joined by Gail Porter, TV and radio personality, speaker and activist. Gail's journey has taken her through all sides of the media, from presenting children's TV, to modelling, to reality TV, to creating hard-hitting documentaries. All throughout, Gail has championed important causes and openly addresses challenging topics such as homelessness, debt, mental health and hair loss. I am so excited to hear all about Gail's life with her fierce bravery and optimism on this episode of the Formidable Over 40 podcast. So welcome, Gail. It is great to have you here. Hello, Sarah. It's nice to see you again. Thanks for having me. That was quite a nice intro. Can I go now? No, you can't. We've got so much more we want to hear from you. What I would say is for for any listeners who may not know who you are or or haven't, haven't, how they wouldn't have seen or heard from you, but tell us about yourself. Share with the listeners who you are and and what you do. I don't really know, you know, because um, <laughs> my daughter said when she was younger, my daughter's now, she's going to be 21 this year, and they had a careers day at school and she came home to me and she's like, what is it you do? And I went, I don't know. And um, at the time, I was actually doing a program looking for dead people in America. So we're like a ghost hunting program. And then I went in to pick up Honey from school and her teacher went, um, Miss Porter, can I have a quick word with you? And I was like, oh, gosh, okay. Um, head teachers even scare me now, even though I'm supposed to be a grown-up. But I went in and they said, you know, all the other pa- all the other children were going, oh, my mum's a dentist or my dad's a doctor or da-da-da. And, and, and she said, and Honey just said, my mummy looks for dead people. And I was like, oh, so so anyway, that's one of the things I did. But um, no, I kind of started off as a, a runner, which is, you know, making teas and coffees and all the rest of it in television um, in like a long time ago when I was a teenager. And I didn't, I wanted to be an editor, I think. And I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And then I ended up sort of getting a job presenting TV. Someone saw me do something in the, so it was, you know, production houses back in the day they'd get anyone to do anything for free. So, you know, they go, we need a presenter for that. Uh, Gail will do it. She went, she can't present. It's like, Duh, Gail will do it, free. And then someone picked up on it and asked me to go for an audition. So then I kind of started working in children's telly and sort of went backwards and forwards, worked in production, more TV stuff, back to production, more children's TV stuff, Got myself naked, projected on places of parliament, as you do, top of the pops. Uh, yeah, that kind of stuff. I don't know. You know, you know, standards, get sectioned, you know, just average. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. There's not many people can say they got naked and was projected all over the houses of parliament, are there? That's, that's definitely yeah. one of the history books. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's funny now that I'm 52, but, you know, at the time I was in shock. But um, yeah, it's just one of those things. Well, it's not one of those things. <laughs> I always say those sort of things, but you've gone through loads as well yourself. I know, but I'll tell you one thing, I would never put any but endure anyone seeing me naked on houses of parliament that they put a government health warning on that anyway, that's not nobody are, deserves that. you're you're in your 20s you've got a few glasses of champagne they say no one's going to see this girl i promise you it's just going to a little polaroids might go in the middle of a magazine da, da, da. and i was like okay fine 
fine. Woo! I'm in my twenties. You were fabulous. You're you're fabulous, though. It's all right for yours to be on there, but I would even a twenty mine mine didn't deserve to be ear brushing. Ear brushing. I didn't even recognise that bottom. I was like, that's fine, is it? <laughs> So, um, yeah, it didn't even look like me. But, uh, yeah, I didn't know about it until I saw it in the news. So that was a bit of a shock. I was going to say, how did you handle that then when you suddenly went, oh, shit, that's me? Well, I was, you know, I was in my flat, living on my own, and hadn't been told anything about it. Didn't know what was happening. And I was just in the bathroom doing my teeth, and I had BBC <laughs> News on, and they were like, did it, Gil Porter? And I was like, what, on BBC News? No. And then I went through and I saw it. And I just saw the House, as a part, the House of Commons and as Parliament and everything. And I was, saw my naked backside, like 100 <laughs> foot tall. And I had to sort of double take and think, that, please tell me. I don't know what I was thinking. And then suddenly my phone started ringing. It was, you know, the days when we had home phones. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And um, it was my mum going, what the F in heck have you done now? <laughs> And I was like, oh, it's real. Oh, shit. So, um, and then my dad ignored it completely because obviously, you know, Scottish dads uh-huh. just ignore things. And then you look out the window and paparazzi are outside. And I was like, oh, shit. So, and then everybody ignored me from the magazine that did it. I tried to contact people. No one, no one had any communicate. They'd all done a runner. They made uh-huh. a fortune. I made nothing. And I dealt with the backlash and, uh, but, you know, now that I'm my age, it, they didn't even send me a copy of the magazine. <laughs> and it was actually, it was, it was on one of the top shelves because I, I was going to go buy it. And I thought, no, I'm just going to look like a right twat. <laughs> Excuse me, could you pass down that magazine of me naked? There, that'd be great. I want to look at my arse on like, that building. <laughs> and where's my nipples, by the way? Apparently, <laughs> apparently they had to, um, they had to, like, airbrush the nipples out because nipples are offensive i was like oh. it's a hundred foot arse up there and a nipple is offensive that's the strangest thing i've ever heard of this whole situation so anyway so that's a little bit about me and i used to I love it i used to work in b q as well <laughs> but that maybe wasn't as exciting uh, yeah it was not really it was okay they used to go ding dong could someone from hardware please go to check out number one and that was me i was the only person in hardware and i was like yeah i can't be bothered and they're going ding dong please could someone from hardware go to check out number one and i was like i'm not bothered don't care and they go ding dong gail porter we know you're there <laughs> check out number one i was like oh i was like kevin and perry going what is it <laughs> but yeah Hey God, I fun love times, it, Gail. Fun times. It's, do you know what? It's good that we can laugh, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is so good that we can laugh. I think if we didn't, this age. if we didn't, what would we do? Exactly. <laughs> I don't even know what's going on in the news anymore. It seems to be like all wrapped up in some silly TV thing. And you just think, what is going on now? World issues. World issues. And you get that shit going on. Honestly, it's just yeah, it's horrific, crazy isn't it? Stuff. I don't even bother. I got asked to go in some news programme tomorrow night. And uh, I was like, what for? Well, I've got nothing to say about anything. I'm going to my spinning class. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You just get to your That's spinning it. class. As long as I feel better, it's fine. I don't care. Get to your spinning class and take Ziggy for a walk. Yes, that's it. I don't know. I love taking her out on her lead. I think that's what's wrong with her because I didn't take her out this morning. But I was leaving uh-huh. at 5.45. It's too early to take a cat out. The foxes are still out, so it's not good. No, it's not good. Ziggy does not need to meet a fox at that she time doesn't. of the morning. She's, like, she's an indoor cat and she doesn't really like going outside. So I got her a lead and we just do the garden and then she's uh-huh. bored after about five minutes. But, hey, I love it. I love it, Gail. My daughter said to me, she's like, Mum, you can't take a cat outside in, with a lead because people will think you're crazy. And I went, honey, I get awards for that. I get awards <laughs> for being nuts, okay? Fine. <laughs> 
<laughs> You've got badges with nuts on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> badges and medals. Medals and everything. Who cares? I don't care about anything. And the lead, medals, nuts. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> you sure? right. I've got to ask you another question. Okie dokie. What does formidable over 40 mean to you? Formidable over 40 means to me, I just think I'm not dead yet. So that's great. Um, and also when I got to 40, I mean, everything started to go a bit, I can't even remember what age everything started to go in a little bit weird. So I lost my hair when Honey was born. So she's 20 now. So 20 years mm. ago, I lost my hair. So um, yeah, I was in my 30s and then work started drying up. So when I was heading towards my 40s, I was thinking, do you know what, if I didn't have Honey, I don't think I could cope because the money was running out and uh, people are going you must have had money but you know I'd gone through a big divorce mm. I was the breadwinner joint house and all the rest of it in my, well our name I yeah anyway mm-hmm. you know what it's like and yeah. then um so everything was going out and my hair had fallen out and I had I was running out money to pay for rent and the only people on telly that wanted to touch me were people that wanted me to go on and talk about having alopecia. Mm. And, but they're going, oh, we'd love you to come on. We've got no money, but could you come on to, and there were big programs. And so I yeah. did a few. And then eventually that was all people wanted to talk to me about. And I thought, oh, so just because I've lost my hair, I'm suddenly not me anymore. And, yeah. and so, yeah, so that, that got a little bit weirded out. And then the money was running out, as I say, no one was paying me. And I was even applying for jobs in bookshops. I applied for my library and they mm. were going, get your Gail Porter, you'll be fine. And I was like, you need an income, you know? Yeah. And um, so uh, when, so sort of when I got to 40, I was just thinking, right, either I give up or I just keep going. So I think formidable over 40 is for me was just, I didn't give up. And I just thought, mm. no, I've got this. Even when I was on a bench in the Hampstead Heath and I had nothing, and all my stuff is in storage because um, I had to get, I was in a, I was in my house that I got when I was married. Then I had to get rid of that. Then I had to go, you know, downsize, then downsize. And then I was in a studio and I had to put everything in storage and I couldn't afford to get it out. So mm-hmm. I keep watching Storage Wars. Do you know what I mean? Just yeah, yeah. see it on the telly and go, that's mine. <laughs> so um, a lot of my friends, you know, they didn't know what I was going through because I didn't want to tell everybody. And also mm. I didn't have enough money to top up a phone and I didn't have it. it was, I spoke to a few people and said, can I stay on your sofa? And, but you know, they've got families and it's embarrassing. Mm. And, you know, for me and everyone was kind, but I just thought, Oh, this is terrible. So formidable over forties is I didn't give up mm. and managed to get myself back on my feet. And the fact that my friends were saying, Oh, well, you've lost all that stuff. And I went, it's just stuff. Do you know what? Yeah. It doesn't matter. You you know, obviously there's sentimental things and things that, but you said, I thought, well, I can just start again. Mm. There's worse things that happen to people all the time. I've worked with amazing charities around the world and I've seen things that I would never want to see again. And you can't believe what people go through. So me losing stuff means nothing really. Mm. So, mm. Um, you know, pictures and stuff, photos and things, but you've got your heart, you've got your memory. And so, yeah, formidable over 40s means, you know, whatever life throws at you, there is a way to get out of it, even if out of the problems, even if you think it's the worst thing ever and you can't do it. Of course you can. Someone's mm. got your back. You might not think it, but someone's got your back somewhere. And if mm. not, you've got your own back. <laughs> I think that's the important thing, isn't it? It's that, you know, 
when when people are on their own, it's to remember that you are enough. Yeah. You know, you you as long as you've got your own back and that's that mindset that can be incredibly hard to to sort of nurture, can't it, when you're absolutely on the bottom. What do you think it was that helped you? What would what would you say would be in your first breakthrough? You know, when you were saying like it was so tough and you were sat on Hampstead Heath that time and you know, that I'm sure it was a feeling of desolation and isolation. What what was it that do you think has has got you that foot on the ladder to to pick yourself back up again? What did you do? Well, uh, it's not <laughs> It's not great. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, as you say, when you're, you're on your own, you overthink things. I was yeah. feeling great this weekend and I just stayed in bed and that's a terrible thing for me to do. Mm. And then the more I did that and I thought, don't get into that mindset. So anyway, what happened was um, when I was homeless, a friend put me up um, for a bit. But, you know, she had two kids and I was in the spare room and they had creaky floors. And even if I went to the toilet, she went, how did you go to the toilet at 3 a.m.? And I was like, oh, I'm the worst human ever. I just need... And then, she said to me, look, because um, she was a PR girl, and she said, uh, someone got in contact with me saying, D- did I know you? And I was like, oh, gosh, what is it? And they went, it is a job, but it's not great. And I, went, I don't mm. care. It's a job. And they said, mm. it's Big Brother. And I was like, oh, my God. Um, ideally, no, but I didn't have a, you know, I was bankrupt, everything. I had nothing. And I said, well, I'll go for I'll go for an interview. I think sometimes you just have to swallow your pride. And the thing is, with programs like Big Brother, you know they pick on vulnerable people or people that are at their lowest ebb. You know, everyone watches it because they know it's going to be fights, arguments, people who go, who's that person? Who's that person? We don't even know who that person is. But for me, it was a job. And so I went for lots of psychological tests. So I thought, I'll never get through that for one. And I did, (laughs) which was weird. And then they said, would you like to do it? And I said, well, not really. But I was thinking if I do it, I didn't get paid much at all. But I mean, it didn't matter. It was enough. If I if I did it, I had enough to put a deposit on a rented flat. Right. So I thought that's all I care about. And that means I've got, because Honey was living with her dad because I had nowhere mm. to stay. So, um, so yeah, I thought, well, do you know what? I'm quite boring. And then I'll get voted out in week one because you don't get paid if you walk. So you have to stay in until you get voted out. So I was like, great, great. I'll I'll be out um, first. First thing, I was there till week three. I kept going into <laughs> diary room, going, "Hello, yeah, <laughs> could you just vote me out? Could you please? I'm begging you from the bottom of my heart, just vote me out." And they're going, "Oh, you're so funny." I'm like, "No, genuinely, get me out of here. It's crazy." And I was like, "And I'd been sectioned, and that was rotten. that's the wrong program, Gail. It was I'm a, you need you need to be a I'm a celebrity for uh, get me out of here. Yeah, that I was mean, where you went wrong. I know that was it. I did it all wrong. And um, yeah, so eventually, a week three after everyone's been screaming at each other and. Oh my gosh, it was awful, Sarah. It was just, mm-hmm. you know, they lock you in the bedroom. There's, you see it on the telly if anyone watches it, I've got no idea. But for one hour, we're there 24 hours a day. And, they, you know, they, they take the clocks away. Well, there was one clock, or they'll get, put a clock in and they'll put the wrong time on it. And then they oh. put all the shutters down so you don't know if it's day or it's night. And then people are screaming at each other. And there was a couple next to me um, having sex in bed. Oh, Christ. Like, they were going, but we love each other. And I went, do you know what? I love cleaning. But I'm not I'm not dry humping them up. Just wait till you get out. You're only in here for a wee while. Oh, my God. And then eventually, when we all kind of got dressed up, Janice Dickinson was in there, for goodness sake. Oh, my gosh. She's like, oh, my God, Gail, you should make more of an effort. And I went, why? 
put in a blinking house. She's like, people are watching. Get out of your pajamas. And I was like, she kept trying to dress me up like a doll. She went, oh, you should wear my clothes. I was like, what is, you're about six foot. I'm five feet one. And she used to spend like days putting makeup on me. Oh, that's better. Everyone come and see Gail. Come and see what she looks like now. And I was just like, oh, make it stop. So <laughs> there was a day when we heard it was lovely. What was her name? Emma Willis. That was uh-huh. it. She was yeah. presenting it. And um, everyone's sitting on the sofas and everything. And they're going, and the person out tonight is Neil Porter. I was like, that, woo, woo, went running towards the stairs. And everyone's going, oh, because usually they'll cuddle. And I was like, oh, yeah, that, uh-huh. yeah, 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 whatever. Went back and cuddled. And I was out. And I was like, oh, my God, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then Emma said, we did an interview, and she said, what was that like, Gail? And I went, Emma, I've been sectioned, and that was more fun than that was. I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what I did? We, we had to all meet for the after party thing, like the, the next again week when everyone was out. And everyone was going, Oh, we should all swap numbers. I was like, Yeah. And they went, No, genuinely, should we all swap numbers? I was like, well, No. God, no. <laughs> no, no, no. No. So I did that. And then I got into this flat that I'm in, still in now. So that was what, seven, eight years ago? And I just came in here, no furniture, no nothing, shut the doors, shut the windows. No interviews, no nothing. And I was like, I've got a roof over my head. Yeah. Bish, bash, bosh. And then sort of from there, kind of slowly and surely picked myself back up again and just kept working and little bits and pieces, but, you know, enough to Mm. keep me going. I don't don't work for much, to be honest. Mm. So I'm going to pay my rent and look after my daughter. Happy days. Mm. You've done incredibly, uh, I mean, you're an absolute inspiration, Gail. You really are. <laughs> You've got such strength and the humour that you can, you know, that you can carry with it. I mean, goodness, you're incre- you are, you're absolutely incredible. No, no, no. You're the incredible one. I just think I can't stop laughing at things. I think if I don't laugh, I'll probably cry. Going, How did that even happen? Don't even know. I think we, we, we can all be a bit like that. Laughing is good. Laughing, laughing is much better is than good. crying. We Sometimes need more I of that. and cry and that really frightens people because they're not very sure what's happening. <laughs> Yeah, well, I usually do that when I'm hysterical and I don't know what's happening either. <laughs> We're very similar in that way. Just we like, are so know. similar. We happening. are so similar. So describe your 15-year-old self. What were your dreams and what were your hobbies? 15-year-old Gail wanted to be Princess Leia because I'm a big Star Wars fan. And um, I used to, I went to see the first Star Wars with my mum and my little brother and I cried at the end of it. And my mum's like, what are you crying for? And I was like, I want to live in space. So uh, <laughs> she's like, yeah, you can. And I was like, oh. So she bought me two massive badges, like, you know, the huge badges you used to get at the cinema. Oh, it was amazing. So I had one with Princess Leia and one with Luke Skywalker on it. And I went to school the next day. And, um, well, this is before 15. And I had the, the buns like Princess Leia had on. <laughs> and then they used to go, oh, girl, you snobby little shit. And I was like, oh, because I got picked on quite a bit at school. By the time I was 15, I think I was changing a little bit. I was thinking I, I'd done everything right. You know, mm. I'd done my studying and I was still studying and everything was going well. And I was in a massive school. It was like 1,200 pupils in it. So you were just lost mm. in that school. And mm. it was um, it was a great school, don't get me wrong. But mm. you had to look out for yourself. And so I was a big martial arts um, person at the time. Well, not like, I'm always like Bruce Lee. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I just did martial arts. That was my hobby. So I did martial mm. arts since I was seven. And by the time I was 15, I was an under 
under 16 black belt. And then I was going mm-hmm. for my over 16 black belt when I got 16, obviously. And mm-hmm. so that was my hobby. So it was um, nice. I think, yeah, 15 was mostly martial arts, movies. And do you know what? I don't think I'd even had my first kiss at 15. I think I was 16. Mm-hmm. I was quite a late bloomer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So I was quite boring, to be honest. And then I think 16, 17, I started to just go completely off the rails. I was like, mm-hmm. it's because I'm going to get picked on at school. You've got a vicar in the house. And then after that, we used to get, um, you remember the elders from church? Did you ever go to church? No. Yes, I was in the I was in the choir when I was Were a young you? girl. I used to go with my granny. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. I wouldn't have minded that. Not a vicar coming to your house with a basin. And then so sometimes the, the doorbell would go after I'd been christened and my mum would go, everybody, on the floor now. And we'd all dive to the floor thinking, does mum owe money to someone? Or, and it was the elders come for a cup of tea. And she's like, everyone, down, down. It's really scary. It's like an air raid or something. It's just two old people that wanted to come in and have tea and cake. <laughs> That's like the carol singers at Christmas, isn't it? I can remember. Yeah. I can remember my mum and dad were like that. The carol singers are coming quick. Shut the shut the kids. Push the lights <laughs> off. But they're actually outside, and then the lights go off when they're sliding there. They're going, they know we're inside. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey dear, so the that's, yeah, that was my fun fifty. The elders. Yeah. Hey dear me. So you have had, as we are gathering, the most wonderful and varied career. Yeah. What would you say, and it might not even be yet because you've got some really exciting things coming up, but what would you say has been your career highlight so far? Well, everything. Do you know what? Getting the first job is a Mm. highlight because I remember my grandma was dying at the time and um, I told her, you know, me and my grandma got on, I loved her, she's my grandma, and um I told her I've got this audition for this programme on ITV and she was so excited and she was in Edinburgh and I was in Glasgow going for the auditions and da 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 and then I told her I got the job mm. and it was mm. game, it was a totally interactive game show on STV and ITV and it was on about 3.40, you know, proper kids telly and so grandma was so pleased and she'd been brought home from um, hospital to be at home because yeah. nothing else they could do and um so I'd phoned her up just before I went on the telly box. And I was like, Grandma, Grandma, I'm going to be live in the telly box in about an hour. And she was really weak at the time. And then I said, I'll phone you right afterwards. So then I did the show, came off. Yeah, I phoned her up. And my grandpa answered the phone. And I went, can I speak to Grandma? And he went, oh, do you know what? She's just having a wee snooze. And I thought, uh-huh. oh, you just know. Mm. So she didn't make it to see what I did. But mm. she knew that I got the job, which was great. So that was a highlight. We're not a yeah. highlight that my granddad, but that she knew I, I had the mean. job. Yeah, exactly. So that was a highlight. And yeah. then Top of the Pops was a highlight because that yes. was just fun. That's not even a real job. That's yeah. just like hanging out with bands in the eight, well, the 90s, sorry. And then yeah. this is a highlight, right? This is one of my favourites. Hello, Wembley. Please welcome onto the stage, David Bowie. Woo! <laughs> I had to do that. Now that, oh, now that would be uh, fantastic. Yeah. And this is another highlight. Uh, so, Robert De Niro, what was your favourite uh, role? <laughs> Not cheese, but what, uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, I got to do loads of amazing things. Yeah. I don't know. And even my, like with the charity work, I've gone to countries that have been, they've been terrifying, but they've been places that you would never imagine 
he's even escaped mm. from to be honest when I went to Liberia I thought this is it I'm never coming home so I know that doesn't sound like a highlight but to get to go mm. there and try and make a difference then that's a yes. yeah can't you mm. can't have one highlight can you yeah, no so many <clears throat> so many and so varied all different from all all different stages of your life aren't they now one thing I really want to talk about is your charity work that you do for homelessness because you know we want to hopefully get some of the listeners who are who are who are with us to to support you can you tell us about the work that you're doing and you know how how you know about the, the charity yeah oh gosh so that's one of many so I do single homeless charity the project so that's mm-hmm. HH, SHP and that's for London homeless because yeah. I mean London homeless I mean the homeless problem across the UK is just ridiculous. But London, because it's so, so many people come to London thinking, you know, they're going to get a great job. And it's just heartbreaking, the amount of people mm-hmm. and, you know, children and teenagers and families. So I just do whatever they want me to do. So um, any sort of press or help out. And I do the same with Centrepoint. I just, you know, get involved with the people that are working in Centrepoint and mm. I get involved with the Samaritans who help Centrepoint. I mean, everyone sort of is, gets involved with each other. So I go out and meet a lot of the homeless people or I'll volunteer wherever they need me to volunteer if I'm around. Mm. And I just try and raise awareness, whether it's like talking to you or mm. going on certain television programs and just saying, you know, you can usually the websites are put up and people can either offer to come and, you know, volunteer or donate some money or whatever to try and help the project. So it's so difficult because they're Mm. not getting so much government funding. And I think that's so crazy in this day and age. So I just try and do as much as possible, just Mm. raising awareness and talking about it. Yeah. Because it breaks my heart. And also it's really tricky because um, there's like, there's a lot of people that I know that are not homeless but they're begging for money all the time. And it's really tricky for people that are homeless because mm. they once they get bitten by someone that they think, you know, there's, yeah. there's a few people that live around here. Well, they don't live, or they do actually live around here. Uh-huh. I know it's a big scam that they've got going on. And they'll sit mm. outside Sainsbury's. Or sit, and I always say, would you like me to get you um, some food? Because sometimes it's better. Or I'll say, do you know what? I've got a helpline number for the SHP. And, mm. and they went, no we just want cash. And then you think, mm. and it's really hard because I want to give them cash, but you just think like, mm. I'm offering you a, a helpline. I'm mm. offering you cash. I take up clothes and um, I actually took up a jacket the other day there. And the guy that I gave it to, I saw him the other day and he was like, no, I said, where's your jacket? It's freezing. Mm. And he went, oh, I sold it. So it's very difficult for people. I understand that people can get a little bit grumpy with who do you give money to and who do you not? Mm. Because there's there's so many places that they can go center point. You can just pop in and ask for help and they'll give you advice. They'll tell you yeah. where to go. They'll tell you who to speak to. They can offer you a room uh, depending mm. on your circumstances. There's, there's so many things you can do. Things that I wish that I'd known when I was homeless. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's just very difficult for people that are not homeless to think, is, is that person genuinely wanting help or are they just yes. putting cash in? There's a lot of people that take drugs nowadays as well because, mm. you know what, you can understand, I guess, if they're out in the streets and maybe it's their way to escape everything. And mm. I don't know. It's a very complex, complex thing to to talk about because you just, you want to try your best. Yeah. I would say to anybody that is wanting to help someone that's homeless, just look up a website just always have it in your bag i've always got yeah. the number of the samaritans in in a bag or i've got a number i've got a website for center point and i just hand it out 
and I just could contact them or, you know, get someone to phone them for you because not everyone's mm. got a phone, obviously, if they're homeless. But mind you, the guy outside mm. Sainsbury's he's got a better phone than me. <laughs> yeah, but, but I suppose it's like, it's so difficult, isn't it? Because I suppose when you, when you kind of get to the point where you know you're going to be or could be homeless before you actually end up on the street, it's where is the sign? Like, what could you share with the listeners? Say there's someone who's think, listening to this and thinking, you know, I know I'm, this is, I'm nearly at the end of the line here. Yeah. I've got nowhere to turn. I'm I'm going to end up on the street at this rate. How do they know where to go? Where, how can you can you signpost people to, you know, to this support that's available? Because, you know, if you don't know how, if you've never been in that position before, how would you even know where to start looking? Is there, it's, is there a particular... It's the absolute basics. It's go to a library because you can mm. walk in there for free and you can just ask them, do you have anywhere that's near here, a community centre, a focus group? Um, you know, there's there's centres across the country that allow people to go in and use their laptops for free. They help them with um, job skills, um, application skills, all these sort of things, and they're allowed to go yeah. in for free. So you just go, community centres and libraries are the best places to go. They're both free. They'll give you advice yeah. for free. They'll let you use laptops for free. And put, mm. put, uh, you know, put you in the right direction of who you, who you should speak to, and yeah. it's you know it's simple for us to say, but you know you panic when you're in that situation, thinking where do you go from here, and yeah. who's going to help me? Um, I didn't even think about going to a library um, mm. or a community centre, but they've all yeah. got they've all got um, the means to help you and tell you where you can use free data. There's there's quite a lot of things. I, in fact, I'll give you a lot of information, and if you can put it on your Yes, because that's what we can do is we can add the information that you've got to the to the bottom of the podcast, you know, in the podcast sort of narrative, so that if anybody's listening and they, you know, they know that they're, they're going through this challenging time, we we can try and signpost them to as much support yeah. as we can on the through the podcast. This is an exciting question, I think, for you. Oh, good. What's next? Tell everybody about what you're up to over the next few months. Oh well, so. I am doing a show at the Edinburgh Festival for the whole month, every night, seven o'clock at the Assembly Club Rooms, which is in George Square. And um, I thought it was a really good idea. And now I don't think it's a great idea. (laughs) So (laughs) it was one of those bucket list things. Because I go to the Edinburgh Festival every year. I'm from Edinburgh and it's my, you know, I'm going to Edinburgh tomorrow and just for the weekend. I've got a job up there, but it's just nice. Yeah, I just love going home. And yeah. so anyway, it came up and I thought, yeah, I can be funny for an hour. And then the more it's coming up to it, I've got two months left. And I think this is the worst idea I've ever had. I don't mm. think I've ever thought of anything worse. And I've actually, I bumped into, um, well, I did a podcast a few weeks ago with, do you know uh, Jordan Gray? No. no. She she did the Edinburgh Festival. I think she won everything at the Edinburgh Festival last year. She's hilarious. Um, she does a, a, a show called Is It a Bird? And she just right. came back from the Melbourne Comedy Festival. And I did it with her. And I was like, it, it's a terrible idea. And she said, you know what? You'll have the best time. I said, yeah, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's Edinburgh. It's my home. And she said, you know, you're not going to have the best time all the time. You're gonna, it's going to take you, you know, you'll get bad reviews you'll get good reviews that's how it works and I mm. said yeah I know and uh, she said just don't take it personally just enjoy it she said once you get the first week over and done with mm. you're going to be fine 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. And it was just all my friends are phoning up going, we've got tickets for the first night. And I was like, that's the, no, take them back. I don't want you there on the first night. Wait till I sort of like warm up a wee bit because I'm going to be super nervous. So yeah, I'm going to do that for the whole of August. So Fantastic. I haven't told Ziggy yet. <laughs> well, is Ziggy is Ziggy going with you? No, she's not. She's um because I'm going to stay at my friend's house. Uh, she, uh-huh. in fact, two of my friends are away. One's away for the first two weeks of August, mm-hmm. and the other's away for the second two. So I'm looking after their houses, which is right. amazing because I don't know if you've ever gone up to Edinburgh in the festival and tried to stay in a hotel. I can imagine it must be absolutely heaving is it oh it's heaving and also the prices uh-huh. just go through the roof through the roof uh-huh. i mean a, a month's rent for me here is probably like two nights at a hotel. Oh. so i was so i was so lucky that they said oh, you can have the house and i was like yes. oh thank goodness but so i've got a ziggy sitter so my friend is oh. going to come and stay in my house nice i don't think uh-huh. it's because my cat um she's a rescue cat uh-huh. I love I love my animals, love them so much. In fact, you should if you're I know that you've got your horses and your you've yeah, got puppies yeah. as well, haven't you? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So I've got a few dog shows coming up if you want to come in London town. Um, I could just imagine my Dalmatian and my lurcher let loose in London. Oh my lord! Oh, I tell you what, they'd have the dog catcher out trying oh, to retrieve them. We've got honestly, it's chaos. I'm doing one in Primrose Hill in two weeks' time, and then uh, I'm doing All Dogs Matter on Hampstead Heath, and it's absolute carnage. But it's the funniest day. I love it. I absolutely uh, love it. It's just a whole day of just hanging out with doggies and lots of people that love doggies. But yeah. yes, I thought Ziggy. So. Ziggy was at home and she used to get attacked by other cats. And then she was put into the Cat Protection Society where she was left there for a while. And then I saw her when I was actually in Edinburgh, I saw a picture of her because I get all these like little alerts saying, oh, this cat needs a home. Uh And so I called them up and I said, oh, I'll take the cat. And so when I got her here, she was terrified and she just hid behind my sofa for about two days. And Uh then eventually now she's more needy than I am. I'm quite needy. And she's like, you know, I go spinning this morning and I get back and, yeah, 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 yeah. And I said, what? And now she's been fed fresh fish that I got from Marks and Spencer's on the way back from spinning, which I cooked up for her. And now she's gone. She doesn't even care anymore. She doesn't love me anymore. There's a, there's a, there's a little story in that, isn't there, somewhere? Yeah. <laughs> about, about getting what they want and then buggering off. Yeah. Like, <laughs> That's a whole new podcast, isn't yeah. it? That's a whole other podcast, that, isn't that it, is, really? It's like, either, it's like either children or blokes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, that's yeah. Another, we'll, we'll now start going down that route. We could be on for hours. Oh, yeah. Do you know what, as well? Because that's what we're going to talk about. Because one of my friends said, Are you, would you ever think about going on Tinder? And I went, no, because I'll get murdered. And they said, what do you mean you'll get murdered? And I went, <laughs> have you never watched the Crime Channel? And they went, yeah. And I went, Meet Mary Murder. That's a name of a program, Meet Mary Murder. Snapped, Women Who Kill. And then oh, Tinder Killers. Oh, Christ. I said, that's what will happen to me because that's the sort of dating look. I'm quite happy with a cat. I was going to say, you just hang out with Ziggy. She sounds just quite safe. hang out with Ziggy and not get murdered. That's and don't get murdered. <laughs> don't get murdered. So, not, not, not this week anyway. No, no, <laughs> just not doing it. Somebody asked me out the other day on on whatever, Twitter, whatever it was. And they went, oh, maybe we should go for coffee. And I went, no. <laughs> Just no. And they went, oh, right. Well, that was quite blunt. And I went, well, I, I don't know you. So you're probably going to murder me. Never heard from you again. So <laughs> maybe I should not see murder so much. But it's like good in Scottish, doesn't it? Murder. 
Don't watch that NCIS, whatever you do. Oh, I watch, I watch them all. I watch them <laughs> I all. Do. I, I, do. <laughs> I told my daughter, because my daughter said to me, um, she went, Mum, I'm thinking, I might, well, she wants to be in a band, she wants to, whatever, you know, 20 year olds, they do what they want, don't they? I said, as long as you finish uni, as long as you're happy, that's all that matters. And then she said, um, I think I want to be a detective. And I went, that's amazing. So I'm a detective. She went, no, you're not, Mum. And I went, yes, I am. She went, no, you watch the crime channel. I went, yes, but who solves the crime before the detectives? And she went, well, you do. It's because you watch it all the time. And I went, I know, because I'm a detective. She went, no, you're not. And I was like, yes, I am. So that's my new thing. So if you go, if we started the podcast again, you'd say, so Gail, what do you do? And I'll go, hello, I'm a detective, Sarah. <laughs> I work for NCIS. Yes. And also uh, law and order, criminal intent, uh, crime scene investigates. I love it. I, I love it. Used to work on Taggart, mind you. Did you? Yeah, but I only made sandwiches for the for the old age pensioners who used to come in and do the extra work. So uh-huh. there was one day I was only about seventeen or eighteen, and all the old age pensioners came in, and they all got about hundred pounds a day. I didn't get paid. <laughs> And then it was lunchtime and I was running around and there's hundreds of all these lovely old people. And I was like, oh, would you like a sandwich? Um, we've got cheese or we've got ham. And they were like, oh, we get better sandwiches on Take the High Road. <laughs> I was like, well, go back to Take the High Road. I'm ready to get paid. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, there's been a murder. Hey, I love Taggart. There's love been a murder. <laughs> you never actually said there's been a murder. But yeah, it was one of those things, but you never actually said it. But it was great fun. We're coming to the end of the podcast. Been an absolute pleasure. I knew it would be fun. I knew it would be fun. Now I've got a question um, that I would like you to answer for anyone who's listening, and it's about what would you say is the biggest piece of advice that you would give to anybody who is embarking on a journey of reinvention? They're sat there listening to this. They feel stuck. They don't know which way to go. What's next? How do I, whatever? What would you say? How how can they get unstuck? What should they be doing? Probably do what I didn't do, which was actually talk to someone. Mm. I just thought I could do everything myself. And then I was getting worse at, because I, I was just overthinking. And, and, you know, the more I think about it, I thought if I'd actually just reached out to somebody because I was so embarrassed about, you know, the not that these people are in the situation that I was in, but if they want to aware in that situation or if they want to try something different, it's easy to try and think, oh, it's fine, I can do it myself, it will be no problem. But it's much easier if you just sort of, you know, they can always say no. So could you give me a bit of advice or could you point me mm. in the right direction? And I wish I'd done that years ago because yeah. – if someone asked me for a bit of advice and I couldn't give them it, I would say, well, do you know what? I know somebody who knows somebody that might be able yes. to help you. And I've realized that now. So um, I will say to my friends, if ask me anything, like what's the chemical symbol of salt? It's N-A. <laughs> I only know that because I'm joking. But um, no, it is actually that. But, but when I said, no, ask me anything. And then I can ask somebody that you might not know. And then yes. so I now have the um, the confidence to ask them as well and not feel embarrassed. Mm. Don't feel embarrassed. That's one thing. Don't give up yeah. and just ask. Ask yeah. somebody, somebody out there is going to be able to give you a bit of advice. I just think ask and talk. 
that's it. Yeah, talking, because I think that's the hardest thing, isn't it? Because I think people, there's this awful um, perception that people will be judged and they're already feeling potentially judged enough as it is. Yeah, that's what I was By judging themselves, you know, they're being so hard on themselves that I think the the fear of reaching out to speak to somebody else and be judged further is sometimes too much pain to bear. But the reality is that if you can find someone who you really trust, and someone who who can understand, you know, you, you believe will be able to understand. Yeah. The the I think the secret is, like you say, isn't it? It's to just put that state in the ground and ask for help, isn't it? Because the amount of people that said to me that didn't know that I was homeless, they didn't know the mm-hmm. situation I was in, and mm-hmm. once they found out, once I got myself back on feet, they were like, "Why on earth did you not just call us? Why did you not just ask for help? Why did mm-hmm. you not let us know what situation you were in?" And I went because I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed and I felt I was useless and I just thought it's just no one can help me. I'm in a terrible situation. And they were all going, we would have been there. And now when I get myself back, when I got myself back on my feet and I thought I'm going to make sure that everyone knows not everyone on Twitter and Instagram, by the way. So (laughs) it's totally fine. I can't answer everybody. (laughs) Just ask for help. Yeah. Ask for help. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, Gail, it's been an absolute pleasure, and, and it's, it's been so so, um, to see you. you know it's been so lovely to see you. And thank you so so much for giving up your time to share your story with us today, Gail. Just finally, to um, if anyone wants to get in touch with you or follow you and and uh, on social media, where where can they go? What what are your sort of handles or Right. Um, Instagram, it's I am Gail Porter. And it's only I am Gail Porter because somebody else is Gail Porter. So it doesn't, I'm not like going, hey, check me out. I am Gail Porter. So it's at I am Gail Porter. And on Twitter, it's just Gail Porter. And in, in Edinburgh, my show's called Hung, Drawn and Portered. Hung, Drawn and Portered. What a fantastic name. Yes. So That's the, fantastic. The, yeah, Assembly, Club Rooms, George Square, from the 2nd to the 28th, 7 o'clock every night. Absolutely brilliant. Wonderful. Well, Gail, thank you so much. Thank you and, so much. Um, and hopefully we'll catch up again very soon. Yes. Thank you for listening to the Formidable Over 40 podcast. Thank you so much to the incredible Gail for joining us and sharing her inspiration. Head to the show notes to find links to connect with Gail and more information about the things we've discussed. Follow the podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please do leave us a rating and share Formidable Over 40 with anyone you think will enjoy it or needs to hear it.